least I'm praying Cause I'm never coming back Just throw a party in my name And put the keg on my coffin And think of me ever so often Have a loser's day parade for all my friends Drink up life like a river till the pizza man delivers. Smile and know I love you till the end. Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith here. Welcoming each and every one of you into episode 67 of Justified Pursuit. It's great to be here with you today. Alongside, as always, is my partner in crime, good counselor Chisholm Cook. You look, uh... I don't know. It looks like maybe you got a haircut. I did get a haircut. Yeah. How short yeah. is it? The long hair gone? Uh, it's definitely trimmed back quite a bit. Yeah, it's um, you know, yeah. it's a medium length haircut, but yeah. uh, it is. Can you still put it in a man bun? Uh, no, I cannot. Okay, then I'm maybe, for that. maybe a, maybe a little bit of it. That's just out of jealousy because I have a thinning hairline. But uh... right, that's the case with everybody who ever has a, anything to say about my hair. Now, long hair is have... cool. Man buns, I draw the line at man buns. Sorry, just, I just gotta draw the line. You should be, you know, all... what? you belong in a bar in Austin, Texas, sipping on a Pabst Blue Ribbon and a flannel shirt with a man bun. That's what I think of when I think of man bun. It's just a matter of convenience, man. <laughs> And again, everybody who takes major issue with it usually has a shiny forehead that uh, kind of tends to sit way, way like up on the top of their head. Or they're totally just out of the game and have no hair. Right. Bald, bald. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it looks good. Yeah. Cleaned up a little bit. Do you have something uh, important going on in real world job situation? (sighs) I, I have plenty of things coming up in real world job situation, but that hasn't caused me to worry about my hair too much. I usually yeah. like to get at least a trim before I go into meetings and things, which I have some of those coming up next month. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the main thing is the only person I let touch my hair hair is my woke sister. Cause she's the, uh, and I'm not just BSing or blowing smoke. She's like one of the top, probably two or three stylists in all of Austin, which probably makes her one of the top stylists in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, getting to see her is not something I'm going to do on an every two week basis. So, we cut my hair such that I can grow it out for as long as I want, and it still looks right. And then she can whack it back for me, and and I can grow it out of this again until I get around. Do you her. feel weaker? <laughs> Like Samson, you know, when you get your hair cut, is your power gone? Uh, I think there were times over the last five years where I have may have felt that way, but this time was kind of a relief. <laughs> it's like, ah, it's like off my neck and off my head. It's like, I feel lighter. But if yeah. you ever meet a, a woman named Delilah, run. <laughs> Good call. Um, all right. So um, I had an interesting weekend. Yeah, I tell went me about to it. West Texas to look at this uh, place to potentially lease it for quail and turkey. Um, and, and I mean, like the town is called Mertzen. It's out by Sterling City, Texas, out in the middle of nowhere, about a six hour drive for me. And um, I had some other guys that were interested in getting getting on the place. There's deer hunters on it. They don't give a crap about turkey and they don't care about quail. And they were like, oh, yeah, there's some quail out there. Definitely turkey. Um, so by doing what I do for a living, 
in the outdoor industry, I just put on Facebook, hey, I'm looking for all these guys that were going to go with me, bailed, one went skiing, one booked a javelina hunt. Basically, I told all these people, put this on the calendar. This was like three months ago. And then two weeks ago, they just started dropping one by one. There was going to be four of us, and then it was just me. So I put on Facebook, hey, looking for some some decent bird dogs to go and quail hunt. Let's check out this property. And there's this uh, kennel out of Fredericksburg called Plum Creek Kennels. And the dude that runs it is a 22-year-old who just graduated from Tarleton State. And he's like, no, I don't want to do business. He's like, I'll never get rich, but uh, I, want to, I want to just play with bird dogs and train them. So he brought five of their best dogs out there. We walked and walked our asses off, and we bumped one covey on a 4,500-acre place. I was just like, no, I'm not going to lease this property. And the, the two guys, two of the guys only wanted it for quail and they were just like, we're out. So anyway, it was disappointing. But that being said, spending two days walking around in God's country was uh, a nice getaway. Yeah, it's always fun to uh, just take a nice little country walkabout. But yeah, it's a bummer that place isn't going to pan out. Um, you've mentioned off air and just now that there were definitely turkeys. Did you see turkeys? Did you see turkey signs? I didn't Did see turkeys? turkeys, but you and I know enough about turkeys to know where they're gonna be the terrain would hold turkeys yeah oh yeah yeah big trees on an, on a river bottom you know big roosting pretty trees. much should have turkeys yeah yeah and they've sent me pictures from deer season of like 20 turkeys ah. so yeah but i was really just focused on the quail and then i did a lot of coyote calling never called in a coyote called in one gray fox and missed it couldn't get it to stop and that was it so the wildlife won nothing nothing was shot the cooler came home empty my family's going to starve. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been up to. What about you? You see, I got a new addition to the uh, studio. Yeah, I was going to ask. Uh, is, I guess that's just a statement in support of the truckers themselves or against Canadian tyranny or both? It's or? my statement against just tyranny in general. And right now, can, Canada's on the front lines of fighting that. So... Yeah. yeah, not since they started trampling people with horses and imprisoning people for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in like at least one instance, um, mischief. Mm -hmm. I think that I saw the lady was... that got trampled by the horses. Yeah, I think there was a couple of them. Did you um, notice the uniforms that those police are wearing? It looks like freaking. Did you ever see that movie? Uh... Oh, it's with Wesley Snipes, and I think. Uh maybe sylvester stallone demolition man yeah like it kind of channeled this uh what what i remember the cops like looking like in that like just faceless no badge number they took their names and badge numbers off so people couldn't identify who Dude, they are it is so funny that you mentioned that movie somebody brought that movie to mind the other day that i was talking to um and and about i think it was an article that me and that person were talking about hell maybe it was you but about how like the um that movie perfectly all these all these movies dude like in some way it kind of perfectly mirrors what we're facing right now right mm -hmm. you had this hyper pc sterilized super safe world above ground and then you know literally the deplorables the unwashed <clears throat> unvaxxed living underground in their own parallel society. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that 
you could take from a rewatch. We should do that. We should rewatch that movie. We should watch that and V for Vendetta again. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, brown shirts, jackboot thugs. Yep. There's even been a rumor. I don't know if there's any veracity to it that um, like a couple of plane loads, like some of those guys are from like, are from like, uh, like the UN, like their UN forces that were sent huh. to Canada to try to help. I don't know. I, the worst thing I've seen about this whole ordeal is that not a single leader of a Western democracy has said a word about it. Right. I read that too. And Wait, that yeah. is, Where's the commentary? Like none. It's unreal, dude. It's unreal what they let happen for a hundred straight days, two summers ago in places like Portland, Oregon. And then that this is being treated like this, that these people are having their finances comp like frozen. Comp like I saw one like, trucker uh, say, uh, I saw him, they asked him what he thought about having his finances frozen. He said, he just laughed and said, it doesn't matter. There's nothing in there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm a truck driver. You think I'm sitting on a fortune? Come on. Well, and I've been out of work for the last three weeks because I've been here. So, right. But anyway, so I have to remember, this is an audio experience for the listener. So there's a Canadian flag now. And it's, uh, oh, right. Yeah. On the Sorry wall. Sorry for those of y'all who are like, what in the <laughs> hell are they talking about? Right. There's a big red and white maple leaf hanging behind. You can place. order one on Amazon, like 12 bucks came the next day. So. I got two of them. One for do it one now for because one a month the from now they'll be seventeen bucks. Yeah. Oh yeah, inflation. Uh, well, I, before we get into that, is there anything uh, going on in your life? Like what? Uh, what's the latest Tons. with you? Tons. Yes. Uh, this is a big week. Actually, the next two weeks are big weeks for me. Uh, life will be uh, some settling some after the sixth of March. So uh, this weekend. I, we have this men's retreat. This will be my third year going with it, going to it, uh, with guys from my church. And this year they, uh, I'm very humbled and honored to have been asked to talk at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving the talk Saturday night. So I've been working on that, praying about that. Um, obviously getting ready for that. Uh, and then I got to do a little talk tomorrow evening at the youth group. Mm. Um, but Actually, just before we jumped on this call, me and the youth pastor were talking about it, and we're actually going to just, instead of having me, like, teach, we're going to do, like, a dialogue, like, have a conversation, like a podcast mm -hmm. for the kids over, it's, like, a bunch of questions that they ask. Most of them are about, like, how do you know that God is real and that you have a relationship with him? How do you, what do you do with doubts and, you know, typical, you know, kind of foundational stuff. And thankfully, he was really into the idea of, like, us sitting up there and talking mm -hmm. about it the way he and I would do when we go to you know, lunch together at this coffee shop <clears throat> and letting the kids sort of see it from, you know, that perspective versus like a prepared talk, which right. I could have pulled together, but I wouldn't have been able, I'd much rather just sort of rap with them about it than uh, have to prepare another talk this week. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so thank, that'll be, uh, you know, I'm excited to do that and also look forward to it being done. And then the following weekend is the half marathon. And then, so at the end of the sixth, I'll have uh, several things off of my plate and be very thankful for it. Then in March, we have Disney World and got some leadership meetings and other stuff yeah. will fill its place. But, you know, oh, life only. I don't feel like life ever goes the opposite direction of like, oh, now I have all this free time. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but like when you have, when you have busier like, and busier, but yeah. you have a full plate right now. But when you have like milestone moments that you've got like several months invested in, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's definitely a nice little pressure relief to be like, all right, check that thing off. Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to even think about taking anything on right now until I can put a few of these things to bed. Yeah. Um, you all are going to Disney World. We finally, just yesterday, decided to take the kids skiing for the first time. And I went skiing as a kid. And I remember those, you know, some of my fondest memories. But freaking A, skiing is expensive. Not cheap. I, yeah. I got um, unexpectedly. So I had a, an advertiser that fell on hard times and they didn't, they owed me like $3,000. And um, the guy, this is like over a year ago. And COVID really affected their business. And um, unexpectedly, he sent me an email. He's like, hey, I, I want to make things right and pay you what I owe you. And nice. they sent me the money. And I had totally written the guy off. Like, you know, sometimes in business, it's, yeah. what, I'm not going to sue someone over $3,000. And if the right. guy fell on hard times, you know what? I'm not a jerk. I'm just like, well, but I had written it off. I was just like, you know, sometimes you just take a loss. And he had paid me half of it. So he had paid me some of what he owed me. And then he just was like, I just can't pay you. And I was like, okay, no worries, man. Um, and then he just, you know, dropped this little cash in my lap. And he's like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's just go skiing. Cool. So, yeah when is that uh spring break spring first break. week of march yeah so kids are pumped up i'm sure when y'all are in disney world um the kids are excited where are you taking yeah. them um purgatory cool yeah that was one of my favorites so i went there when i was like a freshman in high school yeah so Hopefully we'll do three days and they'll have a blast dude we took the girls i guess it was four years ago already uh yeah they had a really great time so yeah I haven't, but been it ain't cheap personally. No, it's not. I was like, ski school is like 150 bucks a kid. Like, yeah. Wow. Okay. But, um, I haven't been skiing since I had kids. So it's been, and I assume Aaron was probably, it's been 10 years since I've been skiing. And, uh, Aaron was like, should we do three days for us? And I was like, well, yeah, if we're going to be there, we should ski. She's like, I'm worried I'm going to be too sore. And I was like, lady, you need to get your ass in the gym then and start working <laughs> out those legs so that you're prepared for this. So yesterday, she, I got her to go to the gym with me for, for the first time since, I don't know, it's been probably three months. Nice. So, yeah. We'll see if she sticks with it. You know, you know, I'll be there. But I didn't, I don't really do a lot of leg workouts. I'd rather run. And, uh, but I, I did, did do some uh, squats and junk like that yesterday. Thought I would be more sore today, but um, we had a bad hailstorm here last night about three o'clock in the morning. All three kids are in my bedroom and they're freaking out. And I don't really care about that. I'm like, oh my God, my truck's going to be demolished. <laughs> and we're talking like, oh, marble sized hail. Um, mm. I didn't see anything on the truck this morning, but Just it sure sounded. You wouldn't take any damage, right? Right. Marbles don't usually do it. Golf ball. I didn't see any That'll give of those, the, thankfully. Uh, the ball peen hammer dimples. Yeah. Which I have had, you know, North Texas, we get a lot of that. Yeah. And I'm sure roofers everywhere were celebrating this morning, knowing that we had a decent little hailstorm. Sure. So I'm sure they'll be knocking on our door. That's what happens in Texas for anyone listening other places. Uh, have a hailstorm. Roofers literally go door to door. Hey, can I get on your roof? So yeah, we'll see that. Um, well, okay. Let's talk about, we mentioned inflation and Driving to and what to and from West Texas this past weekend, dude. I have not paid that much for gas, and I do not know how long. Had to be sometime in the Obama administration, but like the highest point, the, the most I paid per gallon was three dollars and thirty cents, 
And I, I heard reports that the national average will be over $4 in the next three months. So we are, we are not only seeing the price hike at the pump, but inflation right now, 7.5% across the board. That's the highest in 40 years, Chisholm. The highest in 40 yep. years. Yeah, since about the last time we had a national gas crisis. Hmm. But I heard we have a lot of gas in like places like Texas that we just don't want to like drill for. Well, there's gasoline and there's natural gas, but yeah. Uh, they all require drilling wells. So yeah, the most aggravating thing about this to me, dude, is these radical environmentalists, man, and, and Biden panders to them. So he shuts down things like the Keystone Pipeline and he shuts in shuts off you know new gulf of mexico that, exploration that, the irony is that union voted for him by the way <laughs> <laughs> i bet the roughnecks themselves didn't yeah. um yeah so so he so he literally like deliberately attacks the american fossil fuel industry when we finally became we started producing enough in the last decade to be completely energy independent if we chose to mm. and now and now and now he's begging the dict the authoritarian regimes of OPEC to crank out some more oil. Hey, Saudis, come on. We've been supporting your war in Yemen for like 15 years or however long it's been. Put a little bit more oil out there. Get this price back down. Get no, Joe, why don't you put a little bit of our oil out there? And that would solve the problem. You <laughs> see well, that was nice Very refrain there. There seemed to be a wanna a cuss word seemed to want to come out of your mouth, but it didn't progress baby kudos to you uh yeah things but the things that um americans i mean who really places a huge uh i guess everyone places a value on bacon right we love bacon but who would have thought that it would be twice as expensive now or what i think i think the latest i saw was like it's 22 percent more than what it was last year so not twice but that starts to piss people off and We've talked on this show so many about so many different things about why the the Democrats are going to get their clocks cleaned in November. I think this one, all, all the other stuff, the woke wokeism, uh, trans let's critical race theory, transgender our kids, all that stuff from the the far left. I think people sometimes are like, yeah, that's weird, but it doesn't affect me. This affects everyone, and I think that right. this might be the thing that pisses them off enough to to say, "I'm not voting for that again." I, I didn't dude, vote for I mean, Trump it, because Trump's a jerk, but I'm not voting for that again. Historically speaking, the the state of the economy drives elections. To your point, culture war stuff, and you know, but ironically, is, the economy was booming when Trump lost, like until COVID hit, right? I guess, right. Everything was fine and Trump was sailing to re-election until this weird virus popped out of China and Bill Gates was all like ready for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, not related at all. Total accident. <laughs> Had nothing to do with trying to make sure that Trump didn't get re-elected. Nothing. Nor did any of the responses to it that crippled the economy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but uh, to, to your point, I, I agree generally that a whole lot of uh of re regular old moderate democrats that vote democrat because they've been programmed to do so or you know whatever they consider themselves big-hearted open-minded liberals they don't like 
having to pay twice as much for their bacon. Um, but you know, it, it's only fuel to a fire that I think was already burning, which is cultural war related. And that really is like the education thing. The other thing that has happened in the last, well, it'll be one of those. I always, since day one, I've tried to like, think about what could be some of the blessings that could come out of this COVID disaster. Right. Because there's always something good that can come out of every tragedy. Right. And I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but every pandemic, uh, you know, kind of in human history has been followed by a revival. You know, you literally put the fear of God in people. Uh, and, and so there's usually a spiritual awakening. Uh, I hope it seems like we're seeing that, uh, across a lot of the country, a lot of the world for that matter. Um, but the other thing too, was kids being homeschool, you know, taught at home via zoom meant that parents got to listen and parents being doing the same, they got to listen to the stuff their kids were getting taught. And, you know, like in the Pacific Northwest where they were teaching them that like math itself is racist. Right. Oh yeah. And they were like, wait, what, what, what? And so, you know, we saw this tidal wave starting with Virginia last fall. And, you know, here most recently, like we talked about last week, now the city of San Francisco in a 70% to 30% vote took out three super woke school board members. And the only reason they didn't take them all out is because the law is written such that they can't. They can only take out three at a time or these three because of the timing they'd been in there or whatever. So uh, there's definitely a tidal wave coming, man. They know it. Um, There's no doubt they know it. I don't. Hell, I can't even tell that they're doing trying to do a whole lot about it. Like, I almost feel like they've just realized it's a lost cause, or, or maybe they're just so rudderless, they don't know what to do about it. I mean, they, I think that that you know, wokeism is a religion, man. Uh, in fact, the top one of the top one of the themes of my talk I'm, I just mentioned that I'm going to give this weekend is you know I was I was tasked with spiritual warfare, uh-huh. And I really do. I've, I've, I've come to believe wholeheartedly in the last few years that, that there is a cosmic battle between good and evil for the soul of every man and woman going on constantly. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it's, there's, there's the micro attack, God, I mean, Satan attacking your soul by temptation, right? Planting bad thoughts in your head, lust, greed, you know, resentment, those sorts of things. But then there's also this like macro level, like societal battle. And and so what I kind of break down is like when you have an ideology that is not rooted in a proper theology, then you have a nice big gaping wide hole that Satan can come and fill. So when you you could put that another way, simplify it. When you have an ideology that's rooted in feelings. Yeah, maybe that'd be one. Sure. Yes. Yeah. 100% if it's rooted in feelings that's where he that's where he does his work right is is through pain and suffering and emotion right those are the thing he uses deception to play on your heartstrings right so like I point out in there you know he he use he'll even you on on this macro level concept at at a sort of a global level it's pretty easy for your average man to know when if you're if you're being prayerful and mindful our conscience tells us when we're sinning or being tempted to sin we know right, right. from wrong right oh, yeah. but it's a whole different ball game to try to see satan's deception at that macro level right because he he will use things that on their face seem like a a, a worthy cause like 
racism. Let's use that as the you know most obvious example over the last two years. Every American knows we should be fighting against racism, right? Mm-hmm. But when you do so from a Marxist standpoint, which is inherently anti-Christian and atheistic because Marx himself was an atheist who said religion is the opiate of the masses, right? You're starting from this godless worldview. Christianity is all about forgiveness. It, full stop. Love and forgiveness, right? So like cancel culture should not exist in a Christian context. But if you're atheistic and believe in this oppressor, oppressor, oppressor oppression hier- hierarchy, and your whole goal is to flip the tables, then your, your ideology is based on vengeance, not grace and forgiveness. It's based on right. the opposite of Christianity, right? And that is satanic, man. And so it starts from this idea of let's stop racism. But because there's no concept of forgiveness and grace built into the ideology that we're talking about, then it becomes, it becomes again, it, it really becomes its own religion where they, they have mantras and they chant them in the street, right? Like you hear the things that they say, like these magic words, these incantations that they use all the time. Like it is, it is a religion because it, they've, they've removed God from the equation replaced it with a cause and they offer nobody any grace so all they're looking to do is like i said just sort of make the oppressors the oppressed anyway i saw um i meant to save it and i was just scrolling through social media last night uh and i saw it was on a campus and i don't remember what school it was but it was a faction of students with signs marching and they were chanting, bring back the mandates, bring back the mask mandate. I think it was in Nevada. It was. You saw it. What ki- that was definitely happening in a school in that's Nevada the, last week, UNLV, I think. That's the mass psychosis, mass formation psychosis right there. Like these people. And it's so sad because they're getting they're getting lied to by the professors. Maybe that's where we need to start in this country is just find all of the, you know, liberal professors left-wing radical professors and just start tar and feathering them i mean i don't because that's where this where this stuff is originating not now it's been it's been in higher education for a long time university systems it's it's now it's worked its way into grade schools uh, elementary schools i mean but this is where these i think this is where their worldview really is impacted the most when you hear someone like a per college a university a tenured professor spilling this garbage but you don't know it's garbage because you don't know what you think of the world yet you know that's still being formed yep and then you see stuff like that bring back the mandates we want less freedom okay yeah no i yeah no it's uh it's no good and it and it it shows that that, you know dude the youth in taiwan or someplace like that chisholm would see that and just be like these people have no earthly idea what they're doing oh man i mean the cubans you know cuban americans in florida uh the uh you know the communist defectors whether they're of russian heritage or you know chinese heritage uh these my neighbors that are from the ukraine 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're they're, they're a huge part of the Canadian the Ottawa, of the Ottawa after 20 years because yeah. of what was going on there. They're like, yeah. mm, Texas, that freedom smells good. And to your point, yeah. man, like kids, kids don't know what they don't know. And they've got a very simplistic worldview. And so they go off to college and they hear a professor rail on about oppression. And, you know, they've seen people in, you know, tough spots throughout their life. And, you know, maybe they're, since they're in college, they've been somewhat sheltered, but they're very susceptible to this. Kids want to help people they want to see a better world right so mm -hmm. they're very susceptible to this oppressor oppressed oppressor oppression ideology right and again if they don't have any rooting in in faith and you know biblical scripture about loving your neighbor even your enemy and you know forgiving and, and giving them grace the way god gives each of us grace they can very easily be like, oh, well, we just need a revolution and burn the whole system down. And, you know, and they don't get taught what happens after that in these communist countries. No. Right. They don't get taught that at all. No, they don't. They get taught about the Nazis and the Jews, which is a race thing, despite Whoopi's claims. Right. They don't get taught how the Nazis brainwashed an entire country of highly educated and incredibly intelligent people to do that to the Jews, which is to, you know, demonize them as dirty and unwashed and a cancer, unvaccinated, right? So they don't, mm -hmm. they're, they're not, they don't have, they've been deliberately, you know, their education has been deliberately one-sided and warped so that they, they can't put two and two together. Hopefully at some point in their life, they start to catch on and they wake up. But, you know, something I've been thinking a lot about is like, Every year that you get older, you have fewer and fewer peers. That was the case even before COVID, right? Mm -hmm. But it's definitely been driven home during this period of time, right? Like we're 40 now. There are fewer of our fellow 40-year-olds than there were of our fellow 20-year-olds 20 years ago. Right. People die, period, you know, of all ages. Mm -hmm. And that just ramps up every decade that goes by, you know, the loss of your generation is increasing i don't know if it's exponential but so i guess my point is in any given time the youngest generation is probably the biggest part of the population right yeah or it's certainly one of the biggest parts of the population so there's always fertile ground for seeding a revolution of useful idiot kids you know and you got to hope that they wake the hell up fast enough to push back and that you don't end up with two generations completely lost and brainwashed by an ideology. Because I think that was, I know Reagan had a quote. I think his quote was that we're always one generation away from uh, losing, losing our liberty, from losing our democracy. So it was like, remember that clip I played of the, uh, the brother and sister, the kids? Not even like elementary school. They were like nine and they were my age. The kids. Yeah, yeah. My like Canadian kids. kids. Yep. And they're like, what should you do when you come across an unvaxxed? Call the police. Yeah. And everyone in the audience is applauding. <laughs> like. Nauseating. Now, so, but I don't think, I think that's more of a, a modern development as far as the left has infiltrated that level of the education system. 
and I'm sure that it's been a very gradual thing. And, and now we're just seeing, okay, now you've, you've pushed too far and the parents are trying to take the wheel back on education. And, um, I ate dinner with three high school buddies last night. And that was one of the topics we were talking about. It was like, one of them's pretty far on the left, like his seven-year-old son's vaccinated. And I'm just like, but okay. Um, should parents control what is being taught in the schools that we pay the taxes for? Like if the majority is 55% and that 55% wants their kids taught this or not taught this in the curriculum, shouldn't that be the deciding factor? Um, and I don't think it is 55%. I think it's like 70, 30 on a lot of this woke stuff. Among parents? Yes. I would guess so. But unfortunately, not everybody is a parent. Right. Uh, and, and more and more of the woke progressive left are not. I oh, I posted that I video of that this. elementary school teacher, the girl, attractive, young, I would say mid-20s teacher. And she told, she, did you see the video where she's like, parents? I didn't are not listen my, to her words. Are not my bosses. I know which and she wrapped it up by telling them to get bent. And she's videoing it in her classroom and tells the parents to get bent, even though they pay her salary. Yeah. What an entitled bitch. <laughs> it's pretty gross, man. It's pretty gross. Um, I've said this many times and I, that I feel so terrible for people who, for whatever reason, can't have kids, particularly those that want kids. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, with that caveat out of the way, I don't think you're a complete and whole person until you have... Uh, a younger generation that you're literally willing to sacrifice yourself for because you don't know what selflessness means, you know, like a communist with no kids is laughable to me. Right. And there's a huge difference though. I, I do think people who can't have kids, but one of them are probably more round, well-rounded and complete than people who don't have kids and don't want them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're like, I don't want kids cause I don't want to, because I'm a, a lot of the people lifestyle. that I know that don't want to have kids is because they want to travel uh, and have to travel. Income. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What exactly. sounds more selfish than all of that? Yeah. I don't want to contribute to the future of humanity because I got a life to live. YOLO, baby. Right. That's my point is it's incredibly selfish to take that approach. Um, what was my point in all that? But it, but it but still I get it like if that it's it is your life and if that's your well that's fine you want to have no, but you, it's right. not a selfless way to go about it like, I don't I don't care what people do right but that kind of person teaching my kids well, that's because you're not a woke leftist. woke ideal ideological BS like that girl you're talking about right yeah. those are the kinds of people who are saying you don't have a say in what your kids are taught it's not fellow parents that are saying you don't have a right to have a say in I mean there are some right. There are some dyed-in-the-wool leftists who actually have kids themselves who are, you know, intellectual elitist douches who don't think that the average American, like the truck drivers, are worthy of having a say in things because they're not, they didn't go to Harvard or whatever, right? There are some of those people. Mm -hmm. But I think what we're seeing with this uprising in Virginia and in San Francisco shows that even among the progressive left, those with kids realize they don't want their kids being indoctrinated by those without them, right? So obviously that gal that you were talking about, she didn't have kids. No. So for her to take that approach, she shouldn't even be allowed to teach. 
Like that should almost be a prerequisite to being a teacher is being a parent, but good luck juggling all of that. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't, I don't know that that's fair because there's so many young teachers just that come out of college and like, they're not yeah, but how them. many of them are worth a damn? Well, I, I mean, I, I mean, think- honestly, dude, how many 25 year old, you know, how many 25 year old college graduates really have any business shaping the minds of, of who don't have kids themselves shaping the minds of five to 17 year olds? Sure. But I don't think you None. Can unequivocally get rid of that. I don't know what you do, to your point, the I, teaching population. I'm, well, I'm not I'm not offering a simple solution here. Right. Because you're right. right. What do we how do we teach the kids if we don't have a Teacher. fresh crop of kids right. coming of, of people coming out of college to do it. But what, what you're saying is they've been those, they have been indoctrinated into this crap. Now we got right. kindergarten teachers teaching the same thing that David Bell from Harvard was teaching in the eighties when it came to critical race theory. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have any personal investment in this. The only thing they have invested is spreading their ideology and they don't have any kids to see things from the perspective of a parent. Right. Now, yeah. if you get rid of them, how do we teach all the kids? It's a, it's a conundrum, to say the absolute least. But I think anybody who's had a teacher would acknowledge that the best teachers that they had were not the youngest. They were some people in like middle age to even some of the older right. 20 and 30-year teachers who had been around the block, and they had seen it all. And they had seen every stupid thing a kid can throw, it, could throw their and way. They're not going to let the kids manipulate them. That's right. They're not going to get bullied. They're not going to get steamrolled. They're not going to lose their cool or their temper either, though. They're going to have ways of managing and handling the class. And they're also going to have had a life of experiences that let them see what's true and what's BS. Right. Right. So back to the the original question that I posed, should the parents be determining the curriculum? Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, they should certainly have a seat at the table. Right. Right. Should or, they or, be or dictating least, it? I don't know. Here's right. what the here's our proposed curriculum. OK, the parents now are going to approve it. And if there's stuff in there that they they vote on and say, we don't want that in there, then it shouldn't be in there. It's that well, simple. And, and to some, they're to the a ones that extent, are paying all of their salaries. That's how that system is set up. Right. That's why we have elected, stu- uh, uh, elected school, boards. school boards. Right. Yeah. The problem is, I think we've covered this once before, that for the last 20 something years, your average hardworking parent whether they consider themselves a Democrat or a Republican, mm-hmm. dude, most employed parents, they might vote Democrat and think of themselves as progressive, but you can bet your ass they probably run their own household in a pretty conservative way, right? Yeah. Look at Abigail Schreier and all the parents that she counseled whose kids were being brainwashed into transgenderism, who are in places like Boston and Chicago, who themselves are totally down with the LGBTQRSTUV revolution, right? But they're like, but, but, but wait, but wait, my daughter has been a girly girl for the first 12 years of her life. And now all of a sudden, because it's a fad in her school, I'm supposed to give her testosterone and cut off her breasts. This sounds crazy to me, but I don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, labeled a bigot i want to be an ally what do i do right mm-hmm. they're man i'm having a really hard time my guy so my buddy and, and those like i said i've been went to high school this guy's been friends forever and he he's definitely more on the left side of the spectrum he he and i asked him point blank well what about crt and what about transgender ideology he goes no i don't want my kids having any part of that, that exactly yeah right if, if he comes to me as, as a teenager and says dad i'm uh, you know i'm having 
feelings like maybe I'm gonna grow, then we'll have that conversation. But it's not, it's not their, it's not the school's job to indoctrinate my kid. And I think that that's exactly. probably like you just said, the majority of le- left voting, Democratic voting parents still run a yes. conservative minded, you that's know, right. we're not pushing woke ideology on our kids. In those uh, houses. That, yeah. That's that he is exactly what I was getting at. A hundred percent there, whether they, however they vote and whatever they believe is, is the, is the big hearted, you know, like I said, sort of bleeding heart position in the world doesn't necessarily apply to how they run their old house, their mm-hmm. own household. I've always said, I'm a, I'm a classical liberal in the sense, I don't care what you do in your household. And I think everybody in this country is free to be their own person. Right. Right. I don't think there should be restrictions on gay marriage or any of that sort of thing. Libertarian slash liberal, I guess. Right. But my household, I run as a conservative. We're going to church. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to do a decent job saving money, although I'm not great at that. <laughs> it's something I'm always I, working on. I, yeah. We're, I, you know, we're going to say, there. sir and ma'am, my girls are going to dress and act like girls at the same time. I'm going to take them hunting and make them take a bite out of a deer heart yeah. because I'm not some stick in the mud who, thinks that you know just because they're a girl they're only allowed to put on a dress and <laughs> sew or whatever right so <laughs> anyway. it's uh four o'clock in the morning all three of my kids are in my room last night because of the the hailstorm, and we have one little pull-out bed it's really just a mattress from like one of the girls cribs they can barely fit on it but we just pull that out sometimes if one kid comes in and just say okay you know we had a nightmare or bad dream or whatever it is you don't feel good here you can lay right here in the floor on this little mattress well all three of them were in there and the last one to come in was stella i get up to take a leak because i'm in now in a bed with four people and i'm not getting any sleep and the the rain and the hail is just pounding this is pointless anyway i take a leak and i'm walking back and it's dark and, and stella goes hey dad and i was like yes sweetheart and she says when we get a new deer lease are we gonna put that our, we, Sophie is our decoy. She says, are we going to use Sophie to try to attract the boys again? <laughs> like it's four o'clock in the morning and this is what's going through her mind. I was like, I just laughed and I was like, that's a win for a right there. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and yes, sweetie, we are. Yes. Go that's back funny. to sleep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of kid, speaking of people that don't want to have kids or haven't yet, but when you said that, when you described it like that, I'm like, oh, I know the the poster girl for that. And her name is AOC. Oh, no, AOC. Yeah, too, for sure. Uh, so this is what she just said about the crime wave. She finally admitted that there is a crime wave and that it's a problem. But her her take is, quote, we don't want to say some of the things that are obvious, like, gee, the child tax credit just ran out on December 31st. And now people are stealing baby formula. We don't want to have that discussion. We want to say these people are criminals or we want to talk about people who are violent instead of environments of violence and what we're doing to either contribute to that or dismantle it, end quote. So this is from a woman who has championed defunding the police, still is championing that. And she says that violent crime is a result of a expiring child tax credit. I read that my I, my head just almost exploded. No, you dumb B word. It's because you don't have law enforcement anymore because you neutered them. 
but yeah, and it and it's it's in your city. Oh, I saw the other day where a, a woman in New York, someone broke into her apartment, an Asian lady, and stabbed her forty times and killed her. My buddy that was in yeah. town from San Francisco, he said at his gym, in the last three weeks there have been three people murdered, right outside of the gym door. One of them was yeah. This was kind of sad, but also funny. It was one guy was trying to stop a carjacking and he was unarmed and he got killed. Like there's different levels of bravery. And then there's just stupidity. Like it's San Francisco. People well, are going to get carjacked. The, the vote to remove those three uh, school board members in San Francisco <clears throat> to me, it should not be. Uh, it should not be looked at totally in a vacuum as though that was only about changing school names and like mask and lockdown policies in schools. Mm -hmm. I think, but at the same time, it shouldn't be overstated that it's an indication that all of a sudden San Francisco has become, uh, I don't know what, like, I don't know. Some, you know, <laughs> Bakersfield, <laughs> I guess. Right. Um, I think, I believe it was a sign of a much greater overall discontent with otherwise very liberal progressive San Franciscans with, you know, the excess of woke ideology, uh, how far it's willing to go. I guess that remains to be seen, but people are pretty sick and tired of having to, you know, navigate their city streets with a poop app. They're pretty sick and tired of, to your point, people getting killed. I think I mentioned this before, but the last time I was in, the Bay Area, the very nice gentleman at the car rental garage at the San Francisco airport made it abundantly clear to me I needed to make sure there was nothing visible inside this car I was renting or it would absolutely get stolen if I stop inside the city for anything. And as long as it's under $900, the police aren't even coming. Right. That sort of stuff is driving people nuts, right? And I That's have why they have a negative population growth for the first time in, in our lifetime. Yeah. Right. First, first time in first our time, lifetime. Man, I think like uh, since the census started, right? The state of California, I think, I don't mm -hmm. think it's ever been found to be shrinking. So <clears throat> um, I guess what I'm getting at is this is another one of those things where I just love when AOC talks. Right. Please keep talking, Kamila and AOC, because every time she talks, a liberal Democrat wakes up. They're not all going to wake up. There are absolutely NPR listening liberal Democrat douchebags who hear that and they're like, yeah, they should extend the child tax credits because that's why people are stealing food. Forget about the fact that it's nonsensical on its right. face because y'all are the party of taxation. Show me. You're the, the ones uh, taking people's money. Chism, show me the shopping cart because that's what they do. They load up up to $900 worth of Air Jordans and electronics, yeah. whatever else. And they know how much that th what they have put in that cart. I don't see any formula in there. I don't yeah. see it full of baby formula. Dude, maybe some are, but everybody knows damn good and well all these people aren't stealing for, you know, for bread, right? She and tried to not, make the same claim about New York. People for baby formula. She tried to make the same claim about New York a year ago, right? Nobody buys it. Nobody buys it. Maybe, maybe half of liberal Democrats continue. Rome wasn't built in a day uh, and it wasn't destroyed in a day either, right? Liberal Democrats have, have blinders on, right? They have like a wall around them. They live in this nice little, you know, woke utopian bubble, 
right? And for some people, those walls are thicker than others, right? But every time somebody like AOC says something stupid, it takes a little chip out of that foundation of that wall, right? Red pilling is not an instantaneous thing like it is on the matrix. Red pilling is something that might take two years, five years, 10 years, right? Yeah. So every time she says something stupid like that, she plants even more what's called cognitive dissonance in the brain. Double think the way George Orwell would call it. It's the same thing. Cognitive dissonance. Double think is cognitive dissonance. It's having two basically mutually exclusive ideas in your head at the same time. They're seeing what's happening in their communities. And they're talking to neighbors about what's happening. And then they're hearing her ridiculous defense of it. And they might not that day be able to say that chick is crazy and wrong and dumb. (laughs) But I think I've talked about this and I'll have to track it down. Violent crime. Our murder rates up 30% in New York City in the last two years. But it's because people are stealing baby formula because they can't feed their kids. So they're killing other people to get the baby formula. And again, she's, she's claiming it's because we've allowed the child tax credit to expire the so child tax on credit, republicans i guarantee you the child tax credit was the government giving tax dollars they had already taken back to us right so hey lady if what you're saying is true and an accurate assessment of why this crime is happening how about you support tax breaks put more money into people's pockets right mm-hmm. maybe that would solve all the problems according to you but wait, that's where the double thing comes in she literally undermine her own entire philosophical political worldview which is give us your money and we'll create utopia right by saying doing so is causing people to have to steal stuff (laughs) (laughs) which they're not people are killing each other at a higher rate because there's no one there to enforce the law there's it's lawlessness it's the wild west and it's in every blue major uh metropolis it that's just where it's happening I think I mentioned it the other day, but uh, twice on a couple of the different things I listened to, I have heard this audio, so I'll have to figure out how to track it back down and throw it in some show notes, but of this lady uh, activist, progressive liberal activist from, I think, San Francisco, somewhere out in California, I'm pretty sure, uh, highly educated, chick's got a master's degree, you know, all all these things, right? I think she was a minority. I think she was like Asian American even. <laughs> And um, so she talks about uh, you know, there's this like interview that she's giving about and, and she she still calls herself a progressive. Right. But she has had this awakening. <clears throat> and it was a process she described. She's like, you know, uh, you know, when you're when you're sort of in the progressive world. You you know, if you're if you're paying attention and you're listening every now and then somebody says something or, or does something or, or something happens and you're, and, and she's like, and, and you kind of, you start to, she's like, it almost like kind of breaks your worldview a little bit where you're like, well, that doesn't seem to make sense. And then she's like, and you kind of file that away. And she's like, but over time, maybe enough of those things stack up where all of a sudden you realize you've been manipulated. And the thing she's pointed to that like really cracked it for her. She had several examples, right? <laughs> But some study was done by an Ivy League school, I don't remember which one, that showed that um, a majority of people who identified as liberal Democrats, when in the presence of a minority, would change their speech patterns Hmm. to communicate with a minority, like dumb down the way they talked. 
right? Well, Maybe put racist on at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe put on sort of a a little bit of a street affect that they never talk with unless they're talking to a black person. Yeah, whether that black person is talking back with that language or not, they would want to like keep it real with the person they were talking to, right? And the same study showed that that doesn't happen among conservative Republicans, and it. Like it even went, if I'm not mistaken, it even went so far as to say, you know, there wasn't like a, a lack of exposure. And I, I mean, I'm gonna, I don't want to read too much into a, a halfway memory of it. The main point was, by and large, like overwhelmingly, 90 plus percent of people who called themselves a conservative spoke the same way to a minority of any color, any background as they did to somebody in their own house, mm -hmm. but an, a, not, not quite as overwhelming, but a huge majority, maybe three quarters of liberal Democrats, no matter how highly educated they were, no matter how great their grasp of the English language was and how extensive their vocabulary was, would talk down to talk, dumb down their speech in the presence of a minority. And she said, when she, she said, when I heard that, I instantly recognized it because my social group, and my peers do that all the time. And she used the term milieu. She's like, my milieu was to do that, to talk a different way, depending on who I was talking to. And I realized that was racist. It's like, duh, we've yeah. been telling you that for years now. You're segregating college dormitories based on race. You're segregating college graduations based on race. You're segregating training for city position, you know, city employment positions in the city of Seattle based on race. And those of us who think that's racist are the racist. What? A airlines are what? hiring pilots based on equity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, makes me feel safe when I get on a plane that the <laughs> not the most qualified person is in charge of all yeah. 200 of our lives. No, it's uh, we hired them based off equity. But hey, uh, it worked for the vice president. So it's yeah, a thing. sure did. I hope she gets All destroyed or I guess she just had that conference in Germany. Did you hear her speech? Have you heard? I didn't hear it? it. I didn't hear oh, it, God. but I, I will. I want to go back. I don't, let's not talk about it because I want to go back. And listen. Okay. This could have been her shining moment where they're, you know, lifting her up to be this czar of foreign policy, but I'm sure she fell flat on her face. Check it out. Maybe we'll pull some clips from it. Uh, but I'll summarize it by saying it was so heavily scripted and she read it in such a monotone dude. She read it like word by word. Huh. There, like there's a moment or two in there. I'm listening like to she's it. She's never like, had a public speaking engagement. Before. She's not even, she's not even like versed enough in her own speech to realize where a thought ends and a period belongs and a new statement begins. She's just reading the words in order and trying to sound very serious, but cannot like, it's, well, maybe it's, it's maybe awful. version 77.1 will take. <laughs> the yeah. Well, right. So this <laughs> seems like the, like a, like a beta test of a whole new operating system. They just yeah. were like, all right, we can't let her talk off the cuff. We can't let her ad lib. We can't give her anything too complicated. Let's just hit like, like just delete her hard drive and start from read script and then go home. <laughs> read script and then go home so my point is like nothing happened that was so egregious that we'll get to mock her other than she didn't sound like she'd ever read the damn thing mm -hmm. and it was a whole bunch of nonsensical platitudes um let's talk nfl just real quick there's not a lot here but 
we talked about the hypocrisy of the Super Bowl last week, and then that was on Sunday. Everyone, 70,000 people unmasked in L.A., and then they sent their kids to school in mass on Monday. Uh, so the NFL, Chisholm, you know that for the, the playoffs, they just stopped testing for COVID. Not, not unvaxxed, just stopped testing completely. 100%, mm-hmm. no, no test. Yeah. Because so much money was on the line, and people want to see the best players play. They don't want people sitting out with COVID uh, because, you know, it's the playoffs. Ratings, money, talk. Well, well, but they also specifically acknowledged that, you know, basically the whole league had either been vaccinated or had the virus or both, and so there was no need to anymore. Oh, common sense came into play. They, that Well, common sense and science. Well, what do they think about college kids, Chisholm? Wouldn't they think that in that setting, you're probably pro- – I guarantee you college kids in America are either vaccinated or have had COVID or both. Like what sec- section of society isn't out putting themselves putting themselves in those situations more? They're going to bars. They're going to parties. Uh, they're co-ads. They're making out with people practically strangers. I more mean, importantly, even the very few who and don't they should have, be. They should be. Right. They're perfectly safe regardless. So right. they're either vaxxed. They've had it. Most likely they've had both. And the few that haven't had either aren't going to die anyway. Unless mm-hmm. they're morbidly obese and they're not out making with, making out so with anybody. So this is the NFL's response to that demographic. They're 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 having the NFL combine. It's where they you know measure all of the uh, attributes of your strip down to your boxers, but put on a mask. And we're gonna poke you and do all this other stuff and see if you're really the gladiator that we want to draft. Yeah. So they're yeah. they're they're they came out with this idea of having a bubble. Basically, you can't bring your and all these guys have personal trainers and nutritionists and managers uh, or agents excuse me they're like you can't bring any of those people to the bubble and they were like the the agents are the ones that my understanding that had the pushback and said no screw you you just stopped testing during the playoffs these kids aren't like we just said all of these for all of these reasons not at risk of of having some COVID outbreak so why are we why are we doing that and now the nfl's backed off of it because so many of these kids god bless these kids said we're not coming then that's fantastic. You. I haven't paid any attention to it at all. I don't pay attention to the NFL at all anymore. I follow the Cowboys a little bit until they inevitably break my heart. Sure. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I don't watch them anymore. That's awesome that they backed down. The whole time you were saying so that, quick, I dude, was They thinking, backed down. Like, this wasn't like the Canadian border thing. Like, they were just like, oh, okay, well, well but, never mind. But you, so you, I, you said something in there that I was thinking and that I think is the key to it. When I hear what you were describing, my thought is, where do they stand to benefit from that? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just PR. It wasn't just to show, look how woke we still are. We're going to require this here, even though we didn't over there. No. What can you gain by getting a kid away from his support group? Yeah, that's true. You, know? you want to yeah. draft a kid and have some sway over him? Maybe you want to have a conversation with him without his lawyer slash agent there, yeah. right? I mean, it'd be almost like the cops trying to deal with a criminal, not to compare the college kids to, to criminals, right? But if you're in a pinch, you want your lawyer by your side to keep you from saying things that will come back to bite you later, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing if you're about to get drafted by an NFL team that maybe wants to, you know, strong arm you into something, get you maybe to kind of commit to something that they can then guilt you into later when they're negotiating that first rookie deal with you. Right. I guarantee you that had way more to do 
with why the with, agents balked at it so hard. And, and that's my, that was my point. As soon as you said that, what I was already thinking, like it proved my point. What the NFL stood to gain was to get these kids away from their support group where they could more readily get them to admit to stuff, maybe from their past to kind of, you know, because they definitely like cull kids based on what they were up to in college, whether that is any legitimate indication of how they'll perform later on, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's the famous, you know, bit about, you know, Des Bryant getting asked if his mom was a hooker. What's that got to do with anything? Right. Um. And the f- fact that it was the agents that stepped up, they saw through that crap. They were like, no, 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 no. You're not about to drag my 21-year-old client in here who, who stands to become a millionaire in the next six months without me there to protect his young, impressionable, dumb ass. Right. Right? That's, that's the crux of this thing. And good on the yeah. agents for standing up for those kids. Yeah. Oh, well, <clears throat> I mean, they have they stand to benefit yeah i mean too. they've got a vested interest in it too <laughs> but course, that's let's okay not make I mean, out the agents to be saints, what's good but... for the goose in this case was good for the gander for yeah. sure um meanwhile in the ivy league feminism continues to die as <laughs> leah thomas just destroyed more wreck she won and so at the at the ivy league championships she just destroyed the field and won three more titles in three different races of course leah thomas has a penis and is swimming with girls. I don't remember what her uh, God-given her God-given name is, but Leah is a dude. And I didn't know this until I was eating dinner with my buddies last night. And they're like, oh yeah, by the way, that guy was pretty damn good as a male swimmer before he transgendered. Yep. So I had no idea. I thought, oh, here's just this slouch who can't hack it. Um, competing against the boys and now he's just no he was actually like finishing third fourth in in big races before saying oh i'm a girl now um and you now have a significant number of professional female athletes of influence who are coming out and saying this has to stop there's the the backlash on this stuff this this might be the breaking point this leah thomas thing where you're just going in there you're winning races by seven seconds. That's that's all. That's a huge margin of victory. You're smashing. You're smashing Ivy League records left and right. This might be the breaking point on this. Well, I I think I'm 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 certainly hopeful it will be. I think that it it absolutely should be. Um, this is again one of those really interesting things that we have talked about before, where. I don't think wokeism is sustainable because eventually it always eats itself, yeah. right? To your point, feminism dying in the Ivy League, right? These girls that he's swimming against, against, I guarantee you, until this dude jumped in the pool with them, were super progressive, you know, liberal kids. And then now they're going, wait, wait, whoa, this isn't fair. What? Uh, hey, what do you think the second smoked? place person feels like? Right. I mean, dude, across the board, they're all coming forth and saying this is not fair. His own teammates are saying this is not fair. They're criticizing their coach, saying all our coach wants to do is win. He knows this is not fair. This is bull. This is BS, right? Yeah. They've gotten their red pill way early thanks to this. And there are, dude, nobody nobody who respects the idea of female empowerment and sovereignty and you know righting the wrongs of gender discrimination over the entire history of man can support this right 
I mean, mm-hmm. it is the most beautiful example of Orwellian double think you can ever come up with. Everybody knows that every society in the history of man has oppressed women until about the last hundred years. Now, all of a sudden, men are being allowed to beat women up in MMA rings. Men are being allowed to race them in the pool and on the track or lift against them in the Olympic powerlifting. And they're destroying women. And those who defend it are saying it's got nothing to do with biology because there's no difference in men and women in the first place. And everybody with a brain who's taking a biology class, no matter how woke they are, is like, I don't think that's right. That doesn't sound that doesn't make look. Just look. Just look at what's happening. Just look. You know, yeah, it has. I I don't think it's going to stop overnight to your point. But every one of these things that's allowed to continue continues to further the culture war in favor of logic and reason you know i'm i'm just Um, pro women i like women i want women to have uh, all the rights that they deserve here's why i wouldn't fight i would fight the mma one we've talked about that i mentioned the cognitive dissonance and double think part of all this right in the kind of long game of red pilling these liberal progressives until last week and what happened in san francisco like we've, we've talked about California before, right? Mm-hmm. Californians bail out of California. They have been for decades. This isn't new. They've been moving to Austin and Dallas and other, you know, you know what they feel like are, you know, appropriately progressive parts of Texas for a long time. Right. I mean, when we lived in, in Austin or in Round Rock back in 08, you know, there were, there's people all over the greater Austin area that have like, you know, a a Texas flag visible somewhere in their, you know, yard or a big Texas star. And it's like a, there's like a, it's like a lion. They're letting everybody know I'm a native Texan. I'm not one Mm -hmm. of these California transplants who came in here, sold, sold their two, you know, two bedroom bungalow for 1.5 million and came in and made a 20% over, you know, listing price cash offer for, you know, this house and drove the, you know, housing market through the roof. Right. There was like this culture war going on there. And the question always is like, why do they come here and not understand that they left behind a political infrastructure that was corrosive and that's why they left. And then they potentially come here and vote. And I've pointed out many times that at least in the Beto O'Rourke, Ted Cruz election of 2018, it was proved that wasn't the case, Mm -hmm. that it was the non-native Texans who were coming in and voting for Ted. And it was the native Texans who had been, you know, gifted a silver spoon at birth because they were blessed enough to be born in this state and got, you know, educated at university of Texas and corrupted. They were voting for Beto. That being said, still 45% of those non-native Texas did vote for Ted Cruz. So what I'm getting at is I wonder if how many liberal progressives, even those girls that they're swimming against, do they realize that that is being driven by democratic politicians the ideologies that give rise to democratic modern day democratic politics, right? Can they, are they, are people able to see the forest for the trees on this sort of Mm -hmm. thing, right? Your homeless crises, right? I've talked about my sister before when she was like, it's those liberals on our city council. She wears the F Trump shirt, by the way. Right. And that's a perfect example, right? Like she's so emotionally agitated by his way of speaking 
that she puts on that shirt, even though his hostility and nasty way of going about things is large part due to his outrage over the same crap she's outraged by, right? To her credit, she doesn't vote Democrat as a uh, sort of a across the board political position. I actually yeah. talked to her about this not long ago and her husband. She looked at the Hill at the Clinton uh, Trump debate of 2016 and was like, I know she's a crook. I know she's no good, but I can't stand him. I don't even know if she votes being perfectly honest, right? Like, mm. I don't know. She knew Hillary Clinton was no good. Now, she doesn't keep up with things on a level like you and I do, where she really understands why Hillary's no good. But there's enough dirt on that woman and enough bad blood out there and everything that it had invaded her sphere of influence that, like, I don't know that I'm fully behind her, but I can't stand him. Right. Right. But there are a lot of people who look at a Democratic platform who, like, they just let themselves be blind to, you know, gun control. If you're a bleeding heart liberal, it's real easy. It's a lot easier to demonize the gun than the guy behind the gun, right? If we just didn't have guns, then nobody could kill anybody with guns. Forget about the fact that in London they they kill you with pocket knives, and then so they outlaw pocket knives, and then they kill you with cars, right? One way or another, bad guys are going to do bad things, right? Clubs. But they've never been educated on why. It's hard those... to beat a good bludgeoning, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyway, I just wonder trauma. I wonder how long it takes for a generation who's been groomed into progressive ideology to realize that that it, that there's a political party drive like that 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 is undermining as the example here of athletes, right? It's undermining women's rights to be balls to the walls on transgender rights and the way to stop it is to go to the polls and vote for the bad guy conservatives. I don't, I don't know how long it takes for people to come to that realization. But I can say, dude, I listen to a lot of different outlets where they have people on talking about this all the time. Have you heard about the lady from Levi's, the former president of Levi's? No. This is a nice little ad lib toss in. Last week, I was listening to Megyn Kelly having on, let's see if I can look her name up right in it real quick, but she was up until like last Monday or Sunday, the president, uh, and and chief of brand chief chief of branding I think for Levi's you know jeans right uh, which did you know it's based in San Francisco I did right this at Levi's Stadium the new Niners place uh, yeah former Levi's president Let me make sure I get this lady while you're doing that I'll ask you this would you rather and our conversation got me thinking of of what you said about in in England would you rather go out from blunt force trauma or being shot? I think I would much rather be shot. Yeah, I think being shot sounds way better than getting clubbed to death. Yeah, clubbed in. You ever watched uh, Casino? Yes. Surely. Oh, yeah. Uh, amazing movie. But at the end, when uh, uh, Pesci's character and his, the other guy think they're going to get made and they drag him out to a cornfield and then beat him with bats. Mm. I don't remember why, but that popped into my head yesterday. It's terrible. Pesci has a, I mean, he went out in Goodfellas too, thinking he was getting made, but he got shot in the face. Hmm. That sounds better. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. He's a, they shot him in the face so that he couldn't have a proper burial. Right. Oh. Crime stuff, uh, uh, mafia stuff is stuff. interesting. 
So Jennifer Say, S-E-Y, is a 20-year uh, employee at Levi's. She, speaking of swimming, was a college swimmer. Uh, no, I'm sorry, college gymnast, not a swimmer, gymnast, but either way. Uh, was on the U.S. national team back in the early 80s. Uh, worked her way up through the Levi's organization to, like I said, former president and uh, chief of branding, which is the, like, the position before CEO. Like she just a couple of years ago uh, promoted. Yeah, she was promoted to brand pre brand president in October 2020, which was like understood to mean you'll be the next CEO of Levi's. So she does this great interview with Megan um, where, you know, she talks about herself being a progressive liberal, always has been, always voted Democratic, big on. And that Levi's is a brand that's all about social justice and speaking your truth and letting people have a platform, right? Like Levi's is all about making political statements. <clears throat> um, forget about the fact that, you know, the products are made by, you know, underpaid, undervalued, probably child labor in China. Just set all that aside. All those woke companies tend to have that little uh, Nike, that, hey, little you're ball in good company. Of, uh, that little ball of double think in their, their brains. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> she had, you know, she'd been an activist her whole life. She explains that her first husband was a black man. And so she's got a couple of three, uh, you know, ch children of mixed race. Um, that's only relevant because she, during the lockdowns, particularly of schools, started pushing back publicly against them, believing that her company would have her back in doing so because her whole point was we're, crip we're, we're destroying a generation of children. We're mentally abusing them. We're robbing them of a proper education. We're leaving a gaping hole in their youth that was supposed to be filled with learning stuff. And we're mm -hmm. setting them back. And this is really, really bad. And we're doing it to protect adults, which doesn't make any sense at all. The children should be the ones we're protecting, right? Right. So she starts making this campaign on social media and stuff. And, you know, she's already got a decent enough platform because she's the damn brand you know, chief of branding for, for Levi's. Right. But she starts getting some notoriety, you know, I think she went, she did the grievous sin of going on with Tucker at some point, mm. um, which automatically means racist, right? The reason I brought up her, you know, black ex-husband and mixed race kids is because that's what she started getting called by woke douches at Levi's. She was getting formal HR complaints that she's a racist and, a, you know, and a white supremacist and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, listen, she told Megan, she's like, I, I do not use my kids as a shield, but give me a break. I was married to a black man. My kids right. are mixed race. And so to call me a racist is so egregiously stupid and ridiculous. Like, it, it's just it's just obviously nonsense. Right. She was married to a black guy. So I'm saying <clears throat> and, and she like she wouldn't throw that out there if they weren't so uh, just unreasonable in their claims. Right. And what does her desire to have specifically, like she points out, she's like, listen, I put my kids in public schools because as a lifelong liberal progressive, I feel like public schools are what's best when all of my peers at Levi's, you know, C-suite level people, their kids are in private school. Their schools didn't shut down. Their kids didn't have to wear a mask like Gavin freaking Newsom's kids, right? Mm -hmm. But I keep my kids, because of her hardcore liberal progressive values, she keeps them in public schools. And she knows that the families that are getting hurt the most by these lockdowns are 
families of minor, you know minority families, kids whose right both because parents work like have, super hard jobs yeah. like fourteen hours a day and they're not even home to help them with school, right? Exactly. They need school, right? They're not even home to cook them a meal. They need the meals at school. So anyway, she's getting called a racist for all that, and she's like the whole time. I never went political with it, and I just made it about the kids, about protecting the kids. They ended up having to have a town hall about it at Levi's. She started getting, you know, she would get like private support from the CEO, but he would admit to her that he can't let her continue to do this, even though he understands her position and even supports it. I can't, you know, I, I need you to pipe down, right? And HR would call her, hey, we you need, need you to, to pipe fall down. in line, lady. Long and short of it is, man, she gave up a whole bunch of money. Oh, yeah. They offered her hmm, when so it's a, just in the last few weeks, probably just this month, I guess. It reached a head where she was like, I'm not backing down. This is against the company's longstanding cultural objective of letting a person like me speak on something I believe in. I'm not going to quit. Y'all are defying your own, you know, your own ethos. Yeah. Right. They agreed to sever ties. She was offered a million dollar severance, but she had to sign a confidentiality agreement. She's like, you can stick it. I'm not signing <laughs> that. So she left a million dollars on the table, just quit of her own volition, left a track to CEO on the table, uh, and is now writing books and going on Megan Kelly. And she straight up admits, she's like, listen, I was a Elizabeth Warren supporter. You know, she's like, I'll be honest with you. Among my peers at Levi's, it was more a problem that I was a public Liz Warren supporter to them than the fact that I was against these mandates. Cause you know what? Liz Warren's not really about big business. She's not down with big business. Mm. She's like, that was a like If I ever got in trouble before all this for political leanings, it, it was that. And she, but she straight up says, she's like, forgive me for that. Cause so like Poca, Pocahontas doesn't like big business. This right. Yeah. This was like a very fast red pilling for this woman's from this woman's perspective. Right. She's still yeah. a bleeding heart liberal type. But she realizes, based on the hell she has caught in the last 18 months, that they're all just a bunch of frauds, right? Mm -hmm. Now she's looking at the city of San Francisco and realizing, we're not doing anything to help this homeless crisis. We're making it worse, right? And this, this woke uh, anti-racism is not actually anti-racist. It's racist, right? Like across the board, she's like completely woken up to the fact that she's supported a fallacy for her entire adult life. Um, and to her infinite credit, she had the balls to put her money where her mouth was, dude. Uh, she's awesome. Oh, it's like so, Barry yeah. Weiss leaving the New York Times. Yep. Like, you know, yep. you got to stand up for what's right and what's you. When you know the difference between right and wrong and you're not in the mass formation, yep. you're not a sheep. You're a lot of times your only option is to sever ties and just it's like. It's taking a completely new path in life for both of them. And they're both going to be just fine. She sounds like a brilliant woman. Will make millions of dollars as a CEO by an, uh, an unwoke company or by as an author. Right. Maybe so, both. Um, I know we were supposed to get into uh, Hillary and Trump follow-up. I think we'll save that for next week because there might be more stuff coming out from Durham in the next week anyway. Um, so instead of, I don't know if it's going to come that quick. One minute. Uh, let me just say, I know we, I we got, do, we got, I do want to get into the New York Times article, too. Yeah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go deep. Okay. We, we had some cloudiness on some facts. <clears throat> there was a there was a tech company that was 
on the payroll of the Obama administration that the Clinton campaign then used to ferret out, well, at least according to the way Durham is portraying it. That tech company was the very one that was, you know, involved in spying on Trump. So there is a connection to the Obama administration, and there's at least some discrepancy in the filing that Durham filed. He had said something about monitoring of the new of the of the White House. So the firm Perkins Coy that Sussman used to work for has come out and <laughs> the only rebuttal they have had to that filing is Durham made it sound like we spied on Trump while he was president. That's not true. The White House ties were under the Obama administration. That's not a good look for Obama, but at least they're not a good look for any of it. Right. Right. They're basically saying we're not denying anything but the idea that we kept doing it after Trump was in office. Like that's their defense. Sweet. Thanks for the clarification. So we can move on to (laughs) move on to the efficacy of vaccines in 18 to 49 year olds. Okay, so I all I saw was a quick uh, headline. I haven't. Well, I don't subscribe to the dumpster fire that is the new york times so i don't i can't people send me links to these new york times articles i'm like listen i i can't read it because i can read the first paragraph and then it wants me to pay a subscription fee and i'm not paying to support that cesspool of misinformation nope. so um, i won't even do it as a write-off like just you not gonna happen said the daily mail had a basically a similar but the fact that the new york times is even putting it out there yeah it's not it's not for nothing it needs to be needs to be noted that they were the first major outlet to report on it, which is a little right. bit surprising. Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime the New York times goes against sort of the, what we would expect to be the mainstream liberal democratic narrative, mm-hmm. you should, that's, that's, that's again, not for nothing. That's worth so paying attention to. to <laughs> the way that I would interpret that is they know that this S storm is coming. Why don't we just be the first one to get it out there? Yeah, well, we've talked for we've been chronicling for the last at least month and a half that the narrative is in in flux as we speak. Right. I mean, the governor of New York, speaking of New York, started questioning, you know, who died from covid versus with covid and who was hospitalized from covid versus hospitalized with covid. Right. And they had that study that showed that 50 percent of their hospitalizations were hospitalizations for something other than covid. And it just so happens they either had covid when they got there or caught it while they were there. Right. Mm -hmm you know, Fauci challenging masks in schools, right? The, the whole thing is shifting and it's being, the shift is occurring at the med- within the media, right? So to your point, it's, it's not surprising in this moment that the New York Times is reporting on this. Um, I think the more interesting thing is like, is like, um, what does it, what does it, foretell about where we'll be a year from now when it comes to the vaccine mandates um you know i'm going to maintain my conspiracy theory that that trump's the one that mandated the vaccines well that by 2024 that the republicans the vaccines, defunded the police that by 2024 the vaccines will have harmed enough people that there will be a legitimate question as to whether they really were super helpful versus people just catching the virus and, and, you know, maybe taking their vitamin D and maybe ivermectin or whatever. And right. Like the question is, and and this is something that, that science tracks, right. Is is how many lives are saved versus harm by an experimental drug. Right. And there has been data since the September FDA 
uh, advisory committee panel that we read about, you know, that we that we discussed extensively, there was a presentation in that thing claiming that that the vaccines were taking two lives for every one that was saved. You know, God knows it's all such a cluster F, right? So my buddy, we do know that I've referenced multiple times today. Uh, that's on the left side of the fence. He got COVID in December, boosted, vaxxed, everything. But that wasn't the thing that that stood out to me because I was like, of course you did, because the vaccines don't work. What stood out to me was then like in the next sentence, he's like, yeah, but my, you know, my son's vaccinated. And it didn't, it didn't seem to him like that was a big deal that he got COVID after doing everything that he had never had the original strain, doing everything that they said. He was just like, oh yeah, I just, but I, but how does that make you feel that you did, you, you did the dance, you did what they, you put on your, your, your sheep costume and you did the thing and then you still got the COVID. Like they built, they've already built the programming into it. Right. When they started the pivot in June from take this, you know, and you won't catch it to actually, and we read this, right. It was never designed to keep you from catching it. It was designed to keep you from dying from it. Mm. Now, everybody who's had both and survived is a hundred percent convinced that the only reason they didn't go to the hospital was because they'd taken it regardless of the fact that across the board, 99% 99% of everybody who's ever had, I think it's like 98 and a half. It's got like a, it's got like a 1.5% hospitalization rate was a best, a stat I heard just this past weekend. And that's dude, that's across the Which board. My mom not, is in that statistic. So that, I mean, that's right. But, but your mom is, is also real. in a dim, but she's also in a demographic with a severe pre-existing health condition that you've shared with us. Yep. Maybe that was just me. Um, no, no. And, and, and in an age bracket in her late sixties, where what I'm getting at is that 1.5% does not account for age and health. That's mm-hmm. across the board. We have right. detailed half of everybody who has died from this has been over 78 years old. So if you look at our age bracket, 40 to 49 years old, people with decent body mass index, decent blood sugar, right? And the proper level of vitamin D, our chances of getting hospitalized without having ever been vaccinated are like 0.00009, Right. But they've so manipulated and snowed everybody's perspective on this. Bill Moore pointed it out that over that over 40 percent of self-described Democrats thought you had a coin flips chance of going to the hospital if you caught COVID. Mm -hmm. That was never the case. So all 40 percent of those Democrats who thought you had a 50 percent chance of going to the hospital if you caught COVID that got the shots, then caught the COVID will be convinced till the day they die that the only reason they didn't die or go to the hospital was because they got the shots. Despite the fact such insanity, because I guarantee you, he doesn't know a single person his age that went to the hospital with COVID. Guarantee it. If he does, it's not more than one or two, you know. And if you peel back the layers on that, you could indefinitely bet your ass. I know one. I know one person that's younger than me that went to the hospital with COVID. One. And was put on. Don't you know somebody that died? Yeah. Your old neighbor. He was older than me. I was just I was caveating it with. Right. Yeah. And that was very surprising. I mean, the right the guy that died was mid forties. And I think they came up with the theory that his dad smoked in the house when he was a kid and his lungs, no one knew that he had a preexisting condition, but they said they couldn't figure it out. I was like, well, I don't, don't want to drag the guy, you know, poor guy passed, but he was also overweight. Wasn't he a little bit, but, yeah. but not like obese. Like, I mean, well, okay. Well, he was a little bit, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get lost speaking, in the I'm obese that. if you use the BMI measurement, right? The but point anyway, so we the younger guy, mentioned what, was, what um, what that that that's my cousin's husband, 
and he was 280 pounds like went to the gym a lot but also was huge yeah yeah um but he's made of recovery so it's wonderful um but but we never did talk about what the actual new york times piece said right getting back to that long and short of it is the cdc released a whole bunch of data recently on says they're full of shit (laughs) on the vaccines and their efficacy and I think I haven't necessarily pieced this together yet, but you and I were talking over the weekend about one of the most recent re- episodes of Joe Rogan, where he had that complete and utter douchebag NIH God. shill Robert uh, Mar- uh, Michael Ulsterholm on. Yes, Rogan had Michael Ulsterholm on at the start of the pandemic, and he was one of the guys predicting that many, many millions of people would die from this thing, and had Rogan and everybody who listened to him all freaked out, right? And obviously, since then, Rogan has realized this is a big crock. But he brought Holstrom on anyway because he promised he would bring on a balance, right? And your take is he didn't grill him hard enough. My take is Holstrom did him just sounded like a like a liar who had an agenda. And I think Rogan, you're giving people that don't invest as much time as we do. I think you're giving them into this type of stuff. I think you're giving them too much credit because the guy like that comes on, and he's quote an authority on the topic, and then he just goes and just spews absolute bullshit. He said at one point. That in the last six weeks, 1,300 kids under the age of 17 have died of Omicron. Complete BS. Right. There hasn't been 1,300 kids total that have died of COVID. Not just so. And the fact that Joe didn't call him out on that, I was like, okay, this is, I had to stop listening. I was like, this is stupid. This guy is full of, you know what? And Joe's giving him a voice. To me, Joe shouldn't be giving that guy a voice. Or at least if he's going to, he should be like, well, actually, you know, I've, I've got stats that, and, what I know from previous visits with uh, authorities from the other side of the fence, that your stuff doesn't really jive, man. Uh, I hear where you're coming from. I would uh, only counter it as it pertains to Joe that um, other than that particular interview, everything that he has had to say with anybody that he's had on since his uh, N-word racism apology has been same old Joe. Um, I fully expect him to pick all those claims uh, completely apart over the coming weeks. To your point, giving credit to <clears throat> you don't. Um, we still most, haven't said the stats from the New York Times article. <laughs> yeah, I know. So my point is, Ulsterholm, I think, was citing to some of these holy BS stats. So he throws out there during that podcast that among the unvaccinated during the Omicron wave, 79 out of 100,000 people they were unvaccinated, were getting hospitalized. I mentioned 1.5%. Is that hospitalized or died? I think that was hospitalized. 79 out of 100,000, dude. That is literally less than 0.1%. That is 0.00, maybe it's 0.1%. So it's pretty much on par with what we've seen from COVID since the beginning. Okay, what's changed, dude? Why is this breaking news? What? Who cares? It's 00 8.079%, right? Uh-huh. And then he's like, but among the vaccinated, it was seven out of 100,000. So see how much better your odds are if you were unvaccinated, if you were vaccinated versus unvaccinated. It's like, well, I had pretty damn good odds anyway. But what about your, what about your odds of getting myocarditis when you throw that in there? Right. You slap Well, dick. so, so getting back to the Times article, right? And the Daily Call, Daily Daily Wire, Daily Mail, whichever one it was. 
the, the point is the CDC released a whole bunch of data. I believe this is the exact data that douchebag Olsterholm was relying on in his bunch of, in his pile full of lies to Joe Rogan that, that these statistics were born from claiming massive health imp, uh, benefits from, you know, during even the Omicron wave from having been boosted yet they very deliberately left out all of the data for everybody age 18 to 49 years old who had been vaxxed and boosted in making the claim that you had 10 times better results if you had been vaxxed and boosted than if you had been not. So in other words, the only people included in, but they didn't break it down like that. Like, right. Thankfully, they just said some, broad, some, some actual, broad statement. <clears throat> yeah. They threw out this 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 wowing factor that look how many people's lives were saved by being vaxxed and boosted. And it took some reporters to dig into it and be like, wait a minute. So y'all are keeping data like detailed data on age uh, stratification and, and you left out 33 million Americans between the ages of 18 and 49 whom y'all are insisting get vaccinated. What gives? Why'd you leave all that out? Why did you only focus on the 50 and up class, which is where the real risk for dying from COVID begins, right? The real risk begins at 50. It really gets serious at 60. I've detailed this before. Yeah. Over half, we're over 78. 80% of all the deaths, at least as of a couple of months ago, and I guarantee that number hasn't changed, not more than a percentage or two, are over the age of 59. So over 60 is where the real risk begins. 80% of all the deaths, right? So they took completely out of the equation the young, healthy people who were always safe from this when they made the claim that getting boosted made a big, big difference. And when they were asked about it by the Times reporter, you know what they said? This is damning. They said that the data in that age bracket wouldn't be well understood by the general public and could potentially lead to further vaccine hesitancy because it could be misconstrued or misinterpreted as indicating that the vaccines and the boosters weren't effective. Well, that's because they weren't. And so, i.e., you are all too, You're too stupid. dumb You're to sheep. understand our, our science magic. We have science magic, and you're too <laughs> dumb to understand it. It might just look like these things don't work for people 18 to 49, but that's because you're too dumb, so we can't let you see the data. That's right. what they said. You're too dumb just to trust see the, the science on it. But we're the party of science. Don't worry about that. Right. Mm. I like to think for myself. I like to actually look Same. at facts and then call that science. So they have the facts and they don't want you to see them. There's going to this. We're just at the tip of the iceberg on all of this, on what's going to actually, what's going to yep. come out from this and then how they're going to spin it and blame conservatives for their failures, their absolute <clears throat> unequivocal failures on every level from the mass to the vaccines to the economy, to to places of business being close. I mean, there's so much blood on their hands, dude. And we, a lot of people are going to get red pilled. It's coming. Yeah, I think so. Too. A lot of already have. The, yeah, absolutely. Again, see San Francisco. The CDC has withheld detailed information about breakthrough cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, which the agency has been collecting collecting since the beginning of the vaccine rollout. So they point out in this New York Times article. How many times have you and I talked about data out of Israel? How many quite times have we heard quite Fauci? Yeah, yeah, sorry, quite a few, right? Yeah. How many times have we heard Fauci reference data out of Israel? How many times have we heard the FDA's you know, panel on vaccines 
you know, the rec- you know, advisory panel on vaccines, the ones who, you know, kind of give the green light to the FDA as to whether or not something should be approved, bringing up Israeli data. You know why? It's not because we didn't have the data. We've had it all along. It's because the U.S. government wouldn't release the data. Mm-hmm. And what have we heard almost continuously about what has come out of Israel? 60 days of efficacy tops, and then it's right. useless. Third booster, the same, 30 days of efficacy. Then we got to give you a fourth, right? So the truth is, sounds like the CDC's data says the same thing the Israeli data is saying. The Israeli data has been showing us all along. It's not stopping the spread. It's I don't understand. Arguably not even st- keeping people from dying. How oh. people are so caught up in the matrix that they can't. You can put the data in front of them. And they still just turn their head and be like, yeah, no, uh, that's not what that's not what they're telling me to do. They're, they're telling me I need to get the booster. Well, OK, but here's the data that says you don't need it. And that it, if at tops, it's working for you for 30 days. Dude, it's really hard, I think, for your average American matrix like that. It's, it's really hard for your average American to accept the fact that your government is lying to you. It's really hard. And it's especially hard for people who think the government is, can actually solve a problem. Oh, my God. The right? Democrats who actually about think us. that the government is the, is, the, is the way to prosperity, right? It's even harder for them. But it's hard for just a regular old conservative to accept the idea. That's why I've always loved, um, you ever seen like the bumper sticker that says, I love my country, but I, uh, uh, I love my country, but I don't, I don't trust my government or something like that, or mm-hmm. I hate my government or whatever. Making the point being like, you know, awake American sort of conservatives know that you can be a proud American and realize that you can't trust politicians and bureaucrats any farther than you can throw them. Right. And it just takes a little bit of a little bit of an understanding of history to know that that's always been the case. Mm. Always. But um, I kind of go, you know, even that takes me back to this idea. You know, I've, I've been ta- I've mentioned at the start about my con- my talk about. Uh, ideology versus theology, right? And an ideology that's not rooted in a theology is is like the devil's playground, right? Science is also uh, sort of inherently a, supposed to be a system of doubt, right? The people who founded the very concept of the scientific method, they were all God godly people, right? They had their faith and they had the scientific method and they understood the scientific method maybe couldn't prove God, but they didn't need to do that to hold both, right? Mm-hmm. But then over time, the hardcore scientists abandoned God because they became beholden to the ideology that unless I can prove it with a scientific test, it's not real, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so you reach this point now where science itself has become a religion. Anybody who says trust the science or that you know, but when then it comes they to climate, the science, the science is subtle. I mean, but, but then the science Dude, is, is, is inaccurate. So, okay, they say inca- trust the science, and then, they, and then they, they trust unscientific. Okay, you're the party of science, and this is what, why, why are we, we're talking about Leah Thomas. Okay, well, science, that, that person has a dick. So science says we can call her, we can, we can be PC. If she really wants to be called a girl, we can, you know, I'm fine. Okay, you're a girl. That's cool. Biologically, you're you have a dick. You're a guy. You have testosterone coursing through your veins. You're destroying women at swim meets on the u- university level. 
That's the, that's the science. So why do they turn their back on that? That's what doesn't never ever going to make sense to me. And, and when it comes down to it, they're not the party of science at all. No, I at agree hundred percent, but, but my, my, I have a kind of a little bit uh, different take or different point on it, which is the very phrase, trust the science is anti-scientific. Mm. That's not how science works, dude. That's not how science works. Science is I have a hypothesis. I'm going to assume I'm wrong and I'm going to throw every test methodology I can concoct at my hypothesis. And if it stands the scrutiny of the scientific method, then maybe I'm onto something. Right. A they, real they, scientist. They teach you that in like seventh grade. Damn right. A real scientist would never say the science about climate is settled. A real scientist would never say, trust the science, right? And then do, the, do so in the way that Fauci has done for the last two years, where, you know, just again, getting back to the narrative change that we're seeing right now, you've got people claiming, legitimately trying to claim from Fauci to Leanna Wynn, Leanne, whatever her name is, yeah, Leanna Wynn on CNN. Oh, well, the science has changed. No, it hasn't. Right. You and I have been talking about this science for two freaking years. The narrative has changed because the public opinion has changed. So now you're acknowledging the science that existed all along. You're right. acknowledging that you were lying to us is all you're doing, oh, and you're sugarcoating right. it in a way that doesn't right. that the that the general public can accept. See, the, see, the, the ones that believe enough. what you've been saying, they're like, okay, now we're changing our minds, but we're we're going to say it in a way that you're too stupid to realize we're saying that right. that we were but, lying to you all along. But, but you're stupid anyway, enough, so we don't care. That's close enough to how science actually works that it's almost like it, for some people they can stick that genie back in the bottle. They can just claim, well, that's the scientific method. The science has evolved. We've got new data and a whole bunch of sheep will be like, oh, okay, cool. And when you point out to them, dude, I tried to tell you that 17 months ago. They're like, well, yeah, but but the science didn't support it then. Uh, well, the science I was looking at, that's did, the goal science of my does now. Team. So pay attention. Pay a little bit more attention. I know he pays attention to the CDC because he's not wearing a mask to the games anymore. <laughs> It's like, oh, oh, what happened, Scott? Oh, the CD. Uh, okay, I don't even have to ask. You got to keep in mind, and we all have to be very sensitive to this, man, that when somebody spends two years wholeheartedly bought into an ideology like this, he may very, if he's not wearing a mask anymore, to your point, it's not, I guarantee there's at least a little chink in his armor, a little sliver of doubt that Fauci et al. Have been, has been lying to him this whole time. There has to be. Or else he's just dense as hell. You keep calling him smart. If he actually believes that the science has changed, he's a moron. And I'm sorry if you're listening, goalie. <laughs> I will give him credit. He just took his wife to uh, Vegas for Valentine's. So they're, See? At least they're getting out there and doing stuff. Exactly. I bet you anything in his heart of hearts, in his deepest. He's my point is he's entrenched, man. Mm. He's fought this. He has virtue signaled to you guys and God knows who else. He's virtue signaled to his family. He's bought the whole narrative hook, line, and sinker and fought you guys tooth and nail. But he's tired of it. And now the CDC is letting him out of his delusion. That doesn't mean he's going to just wake up tomorrow and be like, dude, you guys were right. We were lied to this whole time. <laughs> it is dude, hard another guy. to just roll over it and admit that you got duped big time. There's another guy on my team who gets into these conversations. And after our game last week, we started talking about the – Jan 6th situation because I'm not going to call it an uprising. Uh, we started talking about that in the parking lot and we're like, you know, had our post game couple beers and it's saying our goodbyes. We're talking. So I don't know how we get on that point, but 
it was going back to he was calling it a violent protest. And I'm like, no. What a violent protest looks like is buildings burning down, city capitals being sacked and occupied for a month. And people actually, and in the city of Chaz, people are committing violent crime against each other because it's lawless and it's the Wild West. And he said, no, 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 that was a violent protest. I said, I could show you the video of people walking around with their cell phones, just getting footage of, of being in there. And I said, a violent protest would be organized militia in that situation. If you really think they're going to over their, their goal, which these people believe that their goal of the Jan 6 protesters was to overthrow the United States government unarmed like it's like this is the fact that that's coming out of your mouth to me is insanity he's like but a woman died and was shot I, and that makes By the comments i said no that doesn't because that lady didn't even have a gun like no one in there had a gun he goes yes they did i was like no show me the video of the ars and the the planned overthrowing of the most powerful government in the world it was like, i ended up just having to get in my truck and say okay i don't want to talk about it anymore you i didn't say basically i didn't say you're too stupid to have a conversation with but he, he was like, I could hear him saying when I was driving away, Cable, I love you. Cable, I love you. And I was just like, I'm done. And I just drove off. Like, he'll know next week that I was pissed about it and that he's, he maybe he actually did some research. I don't know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Probably giving him too much. Money, man, people don't want to challenge their worldview. Um, dude, I, I've lived it, man. I've lived it myself in the last eight years. I have, the world I thought I knew has been stripped bare. I've said yeah. it before. I feel like I feel like uh, Cipher in the Matrix. All I see now is the green lettering. Everywhere. I think that's what Dude, also makes article. this this dialogue between us every week. The fact that you come from that place, I think, adds a lot of validity to your position to be able to talk on, from both sides. Yeah, dude, the most powerful freaking agents of, of of change and disruption in this country right now are disaffected, red-pilled liberals. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are going to save us, man. 100%. Yeah. Like, you, you have to understand the worldview of the other side to effectively combat it. I mean that. I, I believe that very sincerely. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, let's wrap it up here with one of the best memes I've seen lately. We're going to give uh, another shout out to the on point and hilarious Babylon B. It's time for the meme of the week. This one is from this past week, and it's a picture of a swimsuit, oh, like with a pool in the background. And it says Nike releases new woman's swimsuit with extra space for male genitalia. <laughs> Oh, the irony, because nobody wants to see a woman's bulge. <laughs> oh, wait, a woman can't have a bulge. Uh, now with 200% more crotch room. So there it is, your meme of the week for Leah week. Thomas. Um, all right, we'll be back next week. Um, we appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in to Justified Pursuit. If you enjoyed the conversation, leave us uh, a rating. We prefer five stars, but, you know, just be honest. And uh, But if you'd want us to keep doing it, yeah, give us a five star if you like it. We're not uh, above asking for, for you to throw us a bone, are we? Uh, yeah, of course we are. <laughs> we're above that? Throw us a bone. No, we're not above yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. We are asking for them to yes. throw us a bone. Yes. Yeah. Throw us a bone. Um, but anyway, thanks for tuning in. I'm Cable Smith for Chisholm Cook. 
Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next time. It's going to get better, but it might get worse first. Well, I was moving down the road in my VA Ford. I had a shine on my boots. I had my sideburns low. With my New York brim and my gold tooth display.